0: from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show.
1: I want to start with, once again, reiterating that our thoughts are, of course, with Damar Hamlin. He remains in critical condition. Just to update you on this. He remains in critical condition at the University of Cincinnati Medical Center ICU after suffering that terrifying cardiac arrest on the field during Monday Night Football. So much so that, honestly, it it's hard to talk about anything else at this point. I'm not saying we spend the entire program on it. We didn't spend the entire program on it yesterday, although a big bulk of it. But it is hard to focus on other things. It is hard to prep other things. It is hard to look ahead at the slate of games this weekend. You know, we'll do that. But this is still front and center. You know, it's kind of like the same feeling, right? that everything else is essentially secondary to DeMar's health, which is why I wanna update his status right now, even if unfortunately there's not a whole lot to update, although there is some reason for optimism. Last night, we did get a somewhat promising report from Hamlin's uncle, who said this to WROC-TV in Rochester.
0: Right
2: now, they're just trying to get him to breathe better. Um, He's on a ventilator to help him with breathing and um, they're trying to get his lungs back to, to full strength. Um, he was like on 100% um, being assisted by the ventilators yesterday, and um, he's approved, I believe, up to 50%. So that's definitely an upward trend, and we're thankful for that. Um, I really believe, like, you know, the power of prayers, and like, I mean, it's it's been prayers from all around the world. I can't believe the outpour of just, just, just well wishes, prayers, and support from, Everybody, man, and it it, it just, it's so touching and, and, and heartfelt that it helps us to be able to deal with
1: it. So that was last night, and you're looking for something positive. Meantime, Hamlin's agent also confirmed last night that his oxygen levels have improved, so that is something positive. Then this morning, another positive update. Here's ESPN's Coley Harvey via Twitter, quote, just chatted with DeMar Hamlin's family friend, Jordan Rooney. Per Jordan and DeMar's family, doctors overnight got promising readings that they had been hoping to see by this morning. Jordan couldn't go into the Pacifics, but progress appears to be made. End of quote. So you're looking for any kind of progress at all, anything positive at all? He is still sedated, he is still in critical condition in the ICU. So while I wanna be sure to reiterate that while there has been some progress, albeit small, Jordan did mention that DeMar still has a long way to go in terms of his recovery, of course. But the family remains optimistic and have been throughout. See, the good thing is, at least we are using words like progress and hopeful and optimism right now. Unfortunately, there isn't much more to report or update based on his status at this very moment. It's hard to know when the next update might come. But we'll keep you posted if it happens during the program. The Bills will not have anybody available to the media once again today, which is completely understandable. In fact, I'm glad that they're not being put in a situation where they have to say something. Which is why I was really appreciative of former Buffalo Bills Pro Bowl center Eric Wood joining me on our podcast yesterday. He still works for the team as a radio analyst, and he actually said that he felt a responsibility to step up and provide whatever perspective and clarity that he could so that others in the organization did not have to do so and they could continue to process what happened on Monday night. In other words, Eric said, come to me. Ask me. They're processing this. They're dealing with this. But I'm here for it. So what you want to do is, after the program, go check out the entire conversation. As I mentioned yesterday, we released it a day early because of that. So it's live. It's available. But just to give you an idea, here was Eric Wood on the Jim Rohn podcast yesterday, sharing his perspective on the mental and emotional state of that team right now.
2: I would think today is really just focusing on these players' mental and emotional health, just like you said. And I mean, I can't imagine you, we, you know, the game obviously was canceled last night and that was the right decision, but even trying to go and play it today or tomorrow, cause it had to be in a two day window from the time of suspension. I believe I can't imagine rallying back into a football game in that time. And these, these bills, they have a, game against the patriots coming up there's seeding on the line and that's the furthest thing from their minds rightfully as it should be but at some point they're going to have to rally and they're going to have to regroup and it's going to be extremely tough especially with the limited news that we're getting you know you're getting reports out of a hospital that's protected information uh the the um the insider the insiders aren't getting the information like they normally would i would assume with HIPAA laws and whatnot. And so just the patience that we've had to have throughout this process as well, just because you're waiting to hear your prayers answered and, and we're just not getting much information on DeMar, which I can't imagine how tough that is for his teammates, especially witnessing that on the field.
1: So I want to play more of that in a moment. I want to take one moment though and say, I've got profound respect for Eric Wood. Like I appreciate him so much and I'm really proud to say that he's a pretty good friend of mine. And, He had been booked to do that podcast prior to Monday night. Had he said, you know what? It's been a really tough day. I'd rather not do this, Jim. Can we do it next week? Can we do it in a couple of weeks? I just, I'm not up for this. I would have understood and I would have respected it so much, but that's not what he said. What he said was nobody in the organization is really ready to talk about this yet. And I'm around the team. I work with the team. I'll be that guy. I'll lead from the front. I've got some thoughts. I've got a certain perspective. I'm willing to share those with you if you still want me. So I can't say how much I respect that that's the way he approached it. He also shared some outstanding insight into the type of person DeMar Hamlin is, is to his teammates, and the way he fits into that Bills culture. You always hear about the Bills culture. Eric Wood made a point of saying this guy is the epitome of that culture and a perfect fit. I called
2: multiple games of his at at Pitt when I was with ESPN, but I remember in production meetings, Pat Narduzzi would always go out of his way to talk about DeMar Hamlin. He wanted to make sure that guy was getting on the broadcast. He would talk about how he's from McKee's Rocks, from right around Pittsburgh. He would talk about what he does in the community, what type of man he is. He was the pro in college. like He already acted like a pro because he was so mature. Well, then you get to an NFL stage, and that just compounds where he's trying to make an impact. Do you see the impact that he has on all of his teammates? He walks around with that big, beautiful smile at all times and spreading joy everywhere he goes. He fit that culture in Buffalo perfectly and not that any other guy on the team wouldn't have got similar reaction to Demar but that shook a lot of those guys to their core
1: so it tells you exactly how they feel about him how much they love him and then finally here was Eric on the potential impact Monday night may have on players around the rest of the league
2: similar to where you saw guys start leaving the NFL earlier when all the uh, concussion data and inf- for information got released then you saw guys maybe not try and play as long as they possibly could because of that information that had come out this may be a similar type of deal where you know guys will say look i got i got kids i i, I can't have what happened to tomorrow hamlin happen to me now this is such a rare situation but it's got the the recency to it that it's going to be so hard to get that image out of your head i remember after i did the joe theisman leg break the first time coming back on the field it's like when guys get around your legs, you just feel like something's bad's about to happen. I can't imagine watching what happened to DeMar and it not being that big of a shot and not having some type of hesitancy that that could also happen to me.
1: And again, to the point that injuries are a part of the game. They know this, but that was different. That was very, very, very different. So I would pose the question, what do you think? I mean, will guys look at that? Everybody is different. Everybody will process it in their own way, but will guys look at that and maybe finally say, you know what, I'm not sure that the reward outweighs the risk. Maybe it doesn't, and that's how he responded there. So again, I want to say my deepest thanks and respect and appreciation to my guy, Eric Wood. He showed up in a huge way yesterday, so you want to make sure after the program, you look for that podcast. It's already live. It's up, and you can find it. In its entirety, wherever you find your podcast, or you can just head over to my Twitter or Instagram feeds. It's episode 249. Hey now, are you craving some protein after a good workout? Do not make a shake. Do not eat a bar reach for a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty. It's tender. It's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire, and it goes wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying that way. Look for it in major retail stores near you and clones. If you don't see it, just ask for it by name because no other jerky compares Trapper, what is your beef? We are joined by Aaron Rodgers. Aaron, my man, it's been a minute or two. How you doing? Great to have you back.
3: It's been a while, buddy, but I always enjoy coming back and getting that good jungle karma love, buddy. Thanks for having me back.
1: Man, Aaron, so good to have you back. I appreciate it. You sound great. So bring me up to date really quickly, since it's been about a minute or two, how are you enjoying the overall journey right now, both on and off the field?
3: Look, I mean, there's been some years where we're playing for playoff seating or we're sitting this week or we're playing a half a game, and those are fun years. Those are obviously years where you double-digit wins and you've had a great run and great stretch, and identity's been established for a long time. That wasn't this year. This year was a work in progress the entire season. We had a lot of injuries we dealt with early in the year, had a lot of young players uh, finding their own. But I think that's the beauty in the game is it's different every single year. You never know what's going to happen. And I've I've enjoyed this year as much as any year in my career just because it's been fun to work with these young guys and and to have a greater leadership role with the squad and, and here we are, uh after a lot of people wrote us off. We're eight and eight with a chance to win and get in the playoffs.
1: Talking Aaron Rodgers, you know, to that point, Aaron, when you were four and eight, most did write you off. And yet you were pretty emphatic. In fact, you were saying even at four and eight, listen, we're actually in a pretty good spot. If we win out, or we even win the next four, then we're likely to be in a position where we can play our way in. And here is where you are. So what did you see in the group then that made you confident enough to say that and make that statement?
3: Well, Jim, I don't know if you ever see anything that uh, that goes. Oh, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna run the table here and be a great football team. I think it's more just a feeling of how momentum can work in a league and how confidence can be so fragile. But when you can hold on to that confidence, what a dominating force that can be. And I just feel like if we can just get that first one, get to a buy at five and eight, come back and play a warm weather team uh And then you know beat them, and then go down to Miami and play a really good football team and that to me was kind of the the game that could make or break the whole stretch and we went down there, played a great second half, got the seven and eight, and came home last week and and played a really good football team in minnesota and, and played uh you know great in all three phases and Now here we are with a lot of things that happened in our favor, especially Washington losing a bunch of games. Uh, In Seattle, losing a couple, Uh, we're sitting at eight and eight with a chance to get in the the dance.
1: We're talking to Aaron Rodgers. You know, Aaron, the thing that strikes me about that response is the word momentum. This past Sunday, you said, quote, you believe in the power of manifestation and you believe in momentum. thing is, Aaron, we know these words, right? We know these terms, manifestation, momentum. But what do they mean to you? Like, in other words, how does it work and how do you use it to your advantage?
3: Well, I think thoughts become things and when you say those out loud, they can become pieces of information or words that can stick in your mind. And I think sometimes even if the confidence isn't there, the belief might not be there, speaking it into existence can be a powerful force because then people start to hear it more often. And when it's in the zeitgeist, it's in the mindset all the time, it becomes a part of the language. Now we're all speaking the same language in confidence and and in hope uh, of, of something great that can happen. Uh, and I think that's the power of manifestation. And the power of momentum is just stacking that success and that confidence that comes as these guys in the league learn how to be professionals, learn how to, to win football games. And we dealt with some really rough stretches. Uh, we lost a bunch of games in a row. And it was during that time that I think the adversity hit that we saw the character of the football team. We didn't fold. We didn't point fingers. Uh, we just uh, actually played a little bit looser, I think. And it kind of helped being 4-8 and eight, where everybody wrote us off and we said, all right, well, uh, let's play loose out there. Let's have a little bit more fun during the week and let's enjoy this because who knows? We lose one, we're probably out. So let's uh, see how far we can take this thing and what kind of run we can go on. That's why I love this game so much because you just never know how men are going to respond in adversity and what kind of character is going to show up when your back's against the wall and I'm really proud of our guys for the way they've responded.
1: See, that's one of the things I love about this game, too. And having never played the game, I love that response, Aaron, because that's, I mean, what are we talking about? We're talking about life, right? I mean, not to get too far off the topic, but I'm sure you would say to me that when you go to train your body, your most important muscle of all is your mind. I know you would tell me that because you believe in the force of the mind. So what do you do? If you want to get in shape, you go to the gym, you strengthen your muscles, you get a trainer, you develop a program, you work out. But if, in fact, the mind is the most important muscle, what kind of work do you do for that? Do you create a sort of mental gym? What kind of program do you have for that?
3: Well, there's a lot of different things that I think you can do, and I think you make a great point, Jim. It is the most important uh, muscle that we got. It's the most important part of our game. This is 90% mental. Uh, And if we're only working on the 10% part, the physical part, we're missing out on the most important part of this whole thing. So, I think, you know, different guys have different routines. I've had a visualization practice that I've used for a long, long time that I fall back on uh, at various times throughout the season and re-up it or alter it to, as as I need. Uh, me- my meditation practice is really important to help calm my mind, not just, uh, you know, in big moments on the sideline of the game as I'm waiting to go out for a two-minute drive or to start the game when the nerves and anxiety start to pick up, but also during the week when you're away from the stadium and you have a chance to kind of reset your body, reset your mind, The importance of calming your mind and being able to have that balance off the field I think is a really important part of this game and an important part of being a professional. So I encourage guys to dig into that, to learn about it, to research it, to find something that works for them. And I think both those things, but the meditation and the visualization practice are important parts of uh, being a successful athlete.
1: Aaron Rodgers joining us. So Aaron, before... You can talk about the potential for the postseason. You've got Detroit, right? So you're red hot. Detroit's gone on a run of their own. As you look at this Lions squad, does it seem to have a different vibe and a different edge under Dan Campbell? Or frankly, are you not ready to say that yet? And do they still have to prove that to you?
3: Well, I think it reminds me of some of the old Detroit teams that we played when we had some real, real battles. When they had a great D-line, they flew around the field, They played really fast. They had some weapons on offense, Matt Stafford, Calvin Johnson, among others. Uh, You know, I think Jared's had a really nice season. They got a lot of weapons. They got two really good backs. Uh, Their line is really, really solid. Their defense is flying around. They play really, really fast. They got a rookie of the year candidate on one side. They got a young kid, you know, undrafted kid who's had a great run. Uh, On the other side, they got really smart backers inside. A back end that plays well. They're young, but they play well together and they're talented so it's a real good football team they won 7 out of 9 games coming in and and you know there there'll be something that happens you know in the 325 slot uh in the Seattle game that uh, is going to affect their uh, their opportunity uh to get in or not but either way i'm sure they'd love to play spoiler and and they play really really hard so i, I give them a lot of credit uh, their their coaching staff for the way they they prepare and the guys go out and fly around and And they're a good football team.
1: It's going to be a blast. Aaron Rodgers joins me for a few more moments. Aaron, unfortunately, it's been a really traumatic few days for DeMar Hamlin, his family, the Bills, really for the entire NFL. And you see this play out and you see, once again, the brotherhood and the fundamental respect that the players have for each other, regardless of team. That said, what went through your mind as you saw Hamlin go into cardiac arrest and watch that entire episode play out Monday night?
3: I was shook. I think a lot of a lot of us were You both, uh, I mean, everybody was. But, you know, I think maybe just a tad more for those that have played uh, before or currently playing just because it is a fraternity uh, of brotherhood in the league of guys that play because we know how much we put on the line. We know that, uh, you know, we put our body in harm's way and we uh, affect our current uh, physical status, our future, future physical and mental status possibly by playing this game. We love it. We do it. Freely and gladly, and obviously we get paid really well, but there's this other part to it that you never want to talk about. And we've, you know, here seen guys carted off the field, ambulance off the field. It's a terrible sight. Uh, that This was even worse than that. And, you know, you just kept watching and praying and, and sending good thoughts. And we all have friends around the league, and you're watching these guys go through it. I've been friends with Josh Allen for a while now, and I really love the kid. I think he's a great kid, superstar uh, MVP candidate and just put myself in his shoes as he's watching a, a teammate, you know, be have to be resuscitated on the field. I can't even imagine there's no words to to even think about how that would be. And so I just reached out to him and sent him my love and and thoughts. Uh but it's it's a it's a horrifying feeling, a helpless feeling sitting at home and we just wish the more, you know, uh all the recovery, uh speediness of recovery we can have there and And I think, you know, although there was some weirdness with the five minutes thing, uh, the right thing was done in canceling that game because, dude, I don't think anybody was in the right frame of mind to to play. And then big kudos to Zach Taylor and Coach McDermott for sorting that out too because I don't know how you send the guys back out there after watching that.
1: Aaron, I I so appreciate your response, and especially that last part of it because I I was talking about that great length yesterday. Listen, I mean – Are you kidding me? Five five minutes? Go warm up for five minutes? Of course, the league is denied it. ESPN is standing by its statement. You addressed it right there briefly, but can you just talk about the absurdity of that? I mean, are you kidding me? A man stopped breathing on the field, and we're supposed to get ourselves together five minutes or the players were? How absurd is that?
3: It's absolutely absurd, and it it makes zero sense, and of course everybody's going to cover their ass now because it's a bad look. It's a really bad look, and... I don't know who's right or who's wrong. I've known Joe for a long time, and I've known him to be a man of his word, and I appreciated all of our meetings together. Um, we've been in a situation with guys with neck injuries where, you know, the ambulance comes out, they take him off the field, it's super jarring, and there's like, you know, a little delay, and you go back out there, it doesn't have anywhere near the same intensity, and you're just thinking about your guy the whole time, just can't wait to get the game over so I can get to the hospital and see my guy. Like this is even worse. This is a guy who was literally had to be resuscitated on the field for minutes, you know, a long time, and then and then he drives away and and what? We're just pick up pick up business as usual. Like I don't know. I, this, there wasn't a lot of empathy in that moment, and and it's a learning experience. But man, we got to learn our damn lesson here because this is uh, there's more important things than uh, than football in moments like that.
1: Aaron Rodgers, you know, I. I And I'll leave you with this thought here. And I said the same thing, like this whole notion of there's nothing bigger than the game. There's nothing bigger than the game. The hell there's not. Human life is bigger than the game. And when you mentioned Joe, you mentioned Joe Buck. I agree with you. I I know Joe, too. I've known Joe a long time. Joe didn't just pull that out of his ass. He didn't just make that up, right? Somebody gave that to him. Joe Buck did not just determine, hey, everybody, we're going back out there in five minutes. But to your point, they've got to cover their backside. Eighteen. And, and,
3: you know, what I saw was Joe Burrow's over there warming up. So somebody was told down there, hey, get warm, be, get back warmed up. It wasn't just some, like, Joe isn't just talking out of his ass all by himself. Somebody down the field said the same thing because those boys were warming up, you know, expecting to somehow restart this thing, you
1: know. Aaron Rodgers, Packers, hosting Detroit on Sunday night. Aaron, what can I tell you, my man, I appreciate our friendship. I appreciate the relationship, and it's so good to hear your voice once again. Have a great week. Good luck this weekend, and I appreciate the conversation so much.
3: You're the best buddy, you always have been, and I really appreciate you making time for me. The
1: fans, the tradition, the glory, there is nothing more thrilling than college football, and it all comes down to the national championship game on Monday. And I'm here to tell you the go-to for betting is DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps. I love that matchup. Georgia, TCU, who you got? Right now, new customers can bet just five bucks on college football and get $200 in free bets instantly, win or lose. Plus, everyone can combine multiple bets for a bigger payout with DraftKings same game parlays. So, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use my code ROME, R O M E. New customers bet just five bucks on college football and get $200 in free bets instantly. But you have to use the code ROME, R O M E, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply. See show notes for details. Think about the way this show sounded back in the day. Think about some of my takes on certain topics back in the day. Think about some of the things I used to say about certain sports and certain guys back in the day. If you stay at it long enough, you'll pull 180. You know, me on NASCAR, me on soccer. Then you got this guy, Drew in West L.A., time you talk about the association. Here at the American Chiropractic Association, we value your discourse about bent pens, free exams at the mall, and skeletons on the wheels. You know, all things I said like 20 years ago. Ironically enough, the other day, my son, our son, ironically, And, of course, it's always Rogan. Rogues hits me up with, Yo, Pop, is it cool if I go see a chiropractor? Is it cool if you go see a chiropractor? That's funny, Rogues. Had you only been around back in the day, there is no way any chiropractor in this country would have seen you. So it it all comes full circle. He says to me, Is it cool if I see a chiropractor? I said, Well... Yeah, maybe, maybe. Why don't you just go see a veterinarian instead? Just kidding, Kairos. Settle down. Settle down. Anyway, it's, it's kind of funny, right? I said, Yeah, oh, yeah. how about this, Kairos? Instead of coming at me again, I said, Yes, Logs, go see that chiropractor. See if that's any benefit to you. And then report back to me. But it all comes around. It all comes around. And then you've got a couple like this. And pretty much what I would expect from a couple of guys like this. Brian and San Pedro, quote, whoever came up with the five-minute warm-up rule to resume NFL games should be slapped. Signed, Dana White. There is one. Ken in SA. Here comes another one, I'm sure. Hey, Rome. If Jim Harbaugh leaves Michigan... It'll be a slap in the face. Signed, Dana White. All right, so why don't we stop right there? Nothing funny about that. Nothing funny about either one of those things. Nothing funny about Dana slapping his wife in the face. I'm sure you've seen the video. It took place in Cabo on New Year's Eve. It's obviously a very bad deal. Dana knows that. Dana himself, I'm going to play some sound of a conversation he had with TMZ. Dana says in this interview, I'm the guy on record as saying, a man can never, ever, ever, ever put his hands on a woman. Ever. For any reason. Ever. It's never justifiable. Ever. He says, yet here I am on TMZ talking about doing that very thing. I'm in Cabo, Mexico,
0: uh, you know, for the holidays with my family. And my wife and I were out Saturday night on New Year's Eve, and you know, unfortunately, that's what happened. I'm I'm one of the guys, you know. You've heard me say for years, there's never ever an excuse for a guy to put his hands on a woman. And now here I am on on TMZ talking about it. But my wife and I have been married for almost 30 years. We've known each other since we were 12 years old. We've obviously been through some together. And uh, we've got three kids and, you know, this is one of those situations that's, you know, horrible. I- I'm embarrassed, but it's also one of those situations that is, uh, you know, right now, we're more concerned about our kids. You know, we, we have three kids and, uh, you know, obviously <clears throat> since the video popped up, we've shown the kids the video and, you know, we're, we're more focused on our family right now. People are gonna have opinions. Uh, on this, and, and and most of the people's opinions would be right, and especially in in my case, uh, you you don't you don't put your hands on a woman ever. Uh, my wife and I obviously love each other. We've been together for a very long time. We've known each other since we were very little, and this is just one of those unfortunate
1: situations. So that was Dana White's TMZ. Listen, idiots, don't don't make light of that. Don't look for a joke in that. Don't try to turn a one-liner on that. I'm not here for that. I don't want to hear that. And also, obviously, I'm not condoning this on any level, and neither is Dana. It's a bad deal. It's a really bad deal. And no, it does not matter. Nothing around it matters. It doesn't matter that his wife slapped him first. It doesn't matter that they were out drinking. It doesn't matter that it was New Year's Eve. None of it matters. And Dana said as much. He knows that. He knows it's a bad deal. He knows it. He said it. I believe him when he says he regrets it. I think that Dana will use that as a learning experience. I think Dana will use his time, his influence, his money. I think that knowing Dana, he'll create additional awareness about domestic violence and what a huge problem it is. And that there should be zero tolerance for it. totally unacceptable. He knows it. He knows it and he said it. You know, it's like we all make mistakes and we all have bad nights and we're not perfect, but you can just never do that. And he knows that. So I I absolutely don't condone it and I know that Dana does not condone it either. 1-800-636-8686. The other thing that I don't condone are things like, hey, Rome, if Jim Harbaugh leaves Michigan, it'll be a slap in the face, signed Dana White. Yeah, maybe you don't make light of domestic violence. I mean, you you ghouls. I know the show is not as entertaining to you when I ban that, but we're not having that. We're not doing that. I've never encouraged that. It's the weirdest thing. Like, I don't want to bite the hand that feeds, but the disconnect between you, some of you, And I is incredible. Like, how are you listening to the same show that I'm hosting? Like, here's a guy. Of course, I say that. And Wells in the 360 picks up on it perfectly and elevates the conversation as only he can. Wells pipes in with, Dana White is right. You should never put your hands on a woman. That's why I used my foot. Signed, Greg Burhalter. Y'all are on one. And what a strange and bizarre story that is. And, and yes, don't put your hands on a woman. Don't put your feet on a woman. Don't send me your Rex Ryan resets about feet. Can we not class this up a little bit? I know the bar is extremely low for many of you. Can you try and do better? At least for the first week of the new year, when you have these resolutions that you and I both know probably didn't even make it to today. Can you do a little better? I know you can, but will you? <laughs> Wells, in your case, I know you won't, and you can't. Dude, what is it that you get out of this show, Wells? Wells? Because what I'm getting out of your contributions is nothing. But I know this guy will make it better. Tom, what do you, Tom, are you like literally trolling me now? Whose side are you on, Tom? Mine or theirs? You do know that I pay you and I work for you. Oh, what do you know? Here's Geoff. Geoff and Lincoln, Rum Slice. Insert Fantastic Man song. Regards Dana White when asked how his New Year's Eve went. See, that's not what happened. He went... Thanks, Albie. He did an interview almost immediately with TMZ. See, he didn't go to the Fantastic Man song. He didn't shut it down. There was no dead air. He said it. Again, I'm not defending him or condoning what he did at all. And neither is he. He said it. I'm one of the guys on record as saying you can never, ever put your hands on a woman. Yet here I am on TMZ talking about that very thing. He said it. So no, the Fantastic Man song did not come up when he was asked about it. He said it was a terrible thing. And the other thing he said, he said, you know what? I know what people are going to say about me, and they're probably right. That was his quote. I know what people are going to say, and they're probably right, as it relates to me. But I'm worried about our kids. And I can see that too. But it was a bad night. A bad decision was made, and it's going to have consequences. And that's going to stick to him. And that's when you're somebody that influential, that powerful, that famous, your choices also do affect your kids. As your kids' choices affect you. As all of our choices affect us. All right, so if you want to deal with any of this responsibly, I'm more than happy to entertain a conversation. If you want to turn things that aren't funny into jokes, I'm not doing that. I'm talking with Jay Woods of Omega Tax Credits about small businesses under 500 employees qualifying for a tax refund from a new program. Tell me again, Jay, how long does it take for somebody saying, yeah, I don't know, I probably don't qualify. I'm saying find out because you don't know. How long does it take for them to find out? You don't have a more important 10 minutes in your day than these 10 minutes. That's it. 800-704-2000 800-704-2000 or go to omegataxcredits.com and find out. Jay is right for your business. There is not a more important 10 minutes. Tom Pellicero is my guest. Tom, it's great to have you back. How are you? It was a pleasure to be here, Jim. Thank you, Tom, very much. I appreciate the time. So let me ask you, it's been really a terrifying and challenging week for DeMar Hamlin, his family, the Bills, the entire NFL. Is there anything new? What's the latest regarding his condition?
4: Well, the NFL actually scheduled a conference call at the bottom of the hour here um, as we continue to await word, of course, on uh, Damar Hamlin's medical status, but also on uh, exactly how the league intends to proceed uh, with the schedule here. The first focus has been on uh, Damar Hamlin, who, as of right now, um, continues to remain uh, asleep in the hospital, continues to receive help breathing. There's still a lot of unknowns, according to uh, family and friends who have spoken with the media uh, the reports uh, have been positive, but this is not, you know, the thing we've become so accustomed to in the NFL, which is you see someone go down with a, a serious injury, and you know maybe it's their neck, maybe it's a, a serious concussion, and you kind of just await word that hey, you know, Tua Tagovailoa is feeling good and he's going to be on the plane home, or he's being released from the hospital tomorrow. This was not that. This was unlike anything uh, that anybody or on that field had ever seen, and you know, without getting into Too many of the details on what they saw they were just there were images and things that are probably going to be with people for a long long time their their teammate if you're the bills demar hamlin died on that field on monday night and was brought back to life by medical personnel and he faces a a long long road ahead it's just it's, it's unfathomable these circumstances and i think that that's evidenced by the fact that a league that stops for nothing didn't stop for a global pandemic does not stop for various tragedies. Um, you know, obviously at times there have been delays and things like that, but never have stopped the game and not finished it that night because of an injury. That shows you the gravity of what happened with Demar Hamlin.
1: Tom Palosaro is joining us. You know, I got a couple of thoughts on that. I think what you just said is really, really chilling and really telling. You know, Demar certainly his condition is tantamount. It's the most important thing. The point that you just made is so true. The league hasn't stopped for anything, but Tom, of course, there was that report that they wanted to go back within five minutes after a five-minute warm-up. The team has since denied that. I mentioned I had Aaron Rodgers on. He wasn't buying that. He thought that, quote, somebody's got to cover their own ass. Based on who you've spoken to and your sources, how do you think that actually played out?
4: I think there's a little bit of nuance here, Jim, in that you know, most times – and listen, I've seen devastating injuries on the football field. Just back in Week 2, a different Bills defensive back, I believe it was Dane Jackson – was one of two players to suffer neck injuries a few minutes apart, and the game was stopped for 10-plus minutes, and the ambulance came on the field, and there was a hush over the crowd, and five minutes after the ambulance left, they were back playing. That is something that people have become accustomed to, not just the fans watching at home, but the players. And the mindset of those guys to be able to just flip off that switch and go back and doing their job is something that I've always been – Amazed by watching the NFL. But if you were the people in the command center, and remember, they're not just communicating um, with the officials on the field, but they're communicating with the TV broadcast. They're communicating with the guy with the orange gloves on the sideline who's telling them when the game's going to get started. Everybody in that moment is communicating what you always do, which is the game always restarts after a brief warm up period. Then obviously, after 10, 15, 20 minutes go by, And you could see this was not a normal situation. That's where you saw uh, the pivot here. So, you know, NFL Executive Vice President of Football Operations, Troy Vincent, who's going to be on this call at the bottom of the hour here, he spoke a little after midnight early Tuesday morning and just went through what they were seeing. And he said, yeah, that it was, you know, Absolutely not. They were not making anybody warm up. They weren't telling anybody they had to go back and play the game. There were certainly, I think, that we all saw it on TV, people who were operating that way. Joe Burrow throwing the football, Stephon Diggs trying to pump up his teammates to get them ready to go back onto the field. But I think that you also, at times, this is not me defending the NFL, I think that you have to have a little bit of grace for people who are dealing with a completely unprecedented situation. Ultimately, within the hour they arrived at what I think that most people feel was the right decision, which is this game needed to be suspended indefinitely. And we, again, still don't have answers on when or if uh, the game will be concluded.
1: Tom Pelissero is joining us. Tom, so you know I am watching the clock. I know you've got that conference call to get on. You know, to your point that there are members of that team that, without getting into the graphic details, and I understand why you would not or why they would not want to, Have you spoken to members or sources within the Bills organization and any sense of how they're actually processing this traumatic event and when and how they can go back to work?
4: Well, they were back to work today, Jim. They were back for a walkthrough. They had team meetings. There's obviously, you know, as there is in buildings around the league, you know, there's mental health counselors. There's people available to talk. Every head coach I've seen has said today that they addressed their team when they got back together. But I would tell you this, and this is not strictly with the Bills, who obviously they and the Bengals impacted at a far deeper level because they were watching this take place live. But I have not gotten the sense from anybody with any team out there that people feel like these games should not take place this weekend. And that is a hard thing, and I understand that, and this is not trying to gloss over uh, a man in, in DeMar Hamlin who's 24 years old and is still on life support in critical condition with a breathing tube down his throat in a hospital in Cincinnati. But it's, again, it's the reality of the mindsets of the players that this was obviously a, a horrific thing to see, but they've seen other terrible things, not to this level, but you've seen a lot of things on the field. They come back and play that same day. Uh, you know, I, I take a step back and think to over the last decade, What are the worst looking injuries, the scariest situations I've seen play out on a football field? And it was Ryan Shazier breaking his neck. And it was Tua Tonga-Vailoa suffering that horrible looking concussion back in week four. And it was Damar Hamlin on Monday night. All three of those events, in a very strange and terrible coincidence, all occurred in Cincinnati on the same field. They all ended up in the same hospital. and yet, the game after Tua went on, the game after Shazier went on, the full expectation from people I've spoken with with teams is that the games will go on this weekend. Um, the league is going to have to figure out some things that are far less important than the health of DeMar Hamlin, but in terms of what's the fair way to proceed if this game is not concluded with seeding, with the AFC North division title, which could have been up for grabs between the Bengals and the Ravens this week if the Bengals had beaten the Bills on Monday night. Those things... Certainly have taken a back seat, but as the league moves forward into their playoffs, those are conversations that even though they have not shared anything publicly, I'm certain are going on behind closed doors.
1: Tom Palacero covering this completely. Conference call starting in a couple of minutes. Tom, how about one last thought before you go? And I appreciate the time so much. Just there's no convenient segue, but I'm really curious. What does the future look like for Derek Carr? And do you think Tom Brady reuniting with Josh McDaniels in Las Vegas is an actual legitimate possibility?
4: i would certainly say tom brady ending up in las vegas at age 46 is an actual legitimate possibility with the raiders and there's a, listen there's a lot of steps that have to take place in that uh, i would certainly say that barring some completely unforeseen circumstances that Derek carr is not a member of the raiders as of if not february 15th when his guarantees best certainly by the start of the league year In mid-March, you know, we thought Jimmy Garoppolo was never going to play again for the 49ers. He ended up coming back, so I think it's important to always give ourselves a little bit of wiggle room here because you just never know how circumstances are going to play out. But Derek Carr will be playing someplace else, barring the unforeseen, in 2023. And as for Tom Brady, everything that I've consistently heard from people who know him is that all options are on the table for him. His focus right now is somehow, despite as bad as the Bucs have looked at various points this season, He's got another opportunity to go into the playoffs, to push for another Super Bowl, to try to pull off another magical run. Uh, he also, you know, there's a possibility that once this thing is done, that he could decide to retire. He also, again, from people who know him well, seems a little bit more open to it. You know, the plan going into 2022, after he retired, than unretired was this was his last season. Now, he's had certainly some family dynamics change, some of those things that were weighing on him really heavily have come off his shoulders here. I think that it's only fair, even Tom Brady is a human being, to let him take a step back for days, weeks, months, whatever it takes, and figure out what it is he wants to do. He would be a free agent. Going back to Tampa is a possibility. He's got a great affinity for that organization. I would think it's, it's fair to expect there's going to be changes on some level in Tampa one way or another uh, going into this offseason. And then, you know, there's also the possibility that he leaves and goes and becomes a free agent. You know, the Raiders were a possibility back in free agency when he hit in 2020. Uh, John Gruden was the coach at that point. It was unclear whether John Gruden truly believed that Tom Brady was the best fit. He had a younger player in Derek Carr who had grown on him and who they had had some success with. They ultimately opted to to go that route. Um, You know, Tom Brady's kids are on the East Coast right now. Does he want to move all the way to Las Vegas? These are all things that he's going to have to uh, process here if I'm just speaking on a on a non-information level Jim like are, are we all going to be surprised if Tom Brady's not playing somewhere in 2023 unless he wins the Super Bowl again this year maybe that's the perfect out for him it just it seems like he wants to go until the wheels come off and based on some of the plays he's made down the stretch here the wheels are very much on
1: I got a question for you why is old Trapper beef jerky like the best thing ever well, there is something to be said for a family business, which stands by quality and produces the world's finest beef jerky. Do not be fooled by other brands. All beef jerky is not the same. Make sure you choose Old Trapper, where you can actually see the quality right through their iconic Clearview packages. Every single bite of Old Trapper is tender, never tough, because they only use the best ingredients. From their lean strips of beef, seasoned with top-quality spices to their real wood-fired smoke, Old Trapper delivers quality in every single bite and Old Trapper Jerky comes in four mouth-watering flavors. Old Fashioned, which is classic beef jerky flavor. Tender, smoky, and delicious. You've got Teriyaki with the yellow label, where Old Trapper turned the flavor dial to 11. Hot and spicy, with a spice so nice you'll want to snack twice. Peppered, tender, seasoned beef covered in cracked pepper. And you can grab and go with a four-ounce bag or load up with an 18-ounce bag. That way, you've got enough for the entire team or fam or both. If you don't see it, ask for Old Trapper by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what is your beef? Let's go to the phones. Why don't we go to Grand Rapids? Hey, I'd love to have you be a part of this conversation. 1-800-636-8686. We go to Grand Rapids. Sam, it's good to have you on. How are you?
5: Hey, Jim. I'm doing well. Long-time listener of the show, and uh, I'd just like to just say I appreciate how you've been going about this uh, trying time with Debar Hamlin and uh, just the way you speak about it with the empathy. Um, it's, it's really uplifting. Um, so the reason for my call is just I'm, a, I'm in the medical field, and um, I've done my research on some prior events throughout the years in sports. And there's a lot of benefit and good that can come from really traumatic times like this, especially with Demar. Mar um, back in the nineties. There's a basketball player named Hank Gathers, who was, I believe he was the NCAA uh, basketball leading scorer in like 1989. And in the nineties, he actually passed away on the court from hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. And what happened after that is it led to defibrillators being placed in schools and basketball courts, arenas throughout the nation. And uh, that really just, you know, changed the way that we can provide medical treatment to people in really serious conditions. And I just wanted to throw it out there that, you know, I think there's a lot of good that can come from Damar in that situation and that, you know, that kind of just resembles who he was as a person, especially with this charity that he just... You know, he wants to reach out and help as many people as he can, and uh, I just think that we can try to find some positives of him overcoming this struggling time.
1: But before I do that, let's talk about the association because it has been a minute or so since I've talked about the association. And in that minute since I've spoken about the association, essentially everybody has caught fire. It's like all of a sudden Everyone is on a heater. It's like Oops took over the association. You get a heater. You get a heater. You get a heater. You get a heater. You're all on heaters. Everybody gets a car. Everybody's on a heater. How great would that be? Why was I not in the audience that day? I want a car. Pretty much the entire league is on one right now. How great would that be if you were just at the taping of that show and Oprah busts out with, look under your chair. There are keys. You get a car. You get a car. Everybody gets a car. car. I want a key to the front door of a home. Everybody gets a mansion. Man, that'd be nice. Anyway, the entire league is on one right now, the NBA. And if we had to start somewhere, why don't we start with Giannis. Giannis went super freak last night. 55 points and a dub against the Wizards. That's a career high, along with 10 boards, 7 dimes, 20 of 33 from the field, 15 of 16 from the stripe. 15 of 16 from the stripe. Can you believe this guy once couldn't make free throws? 55 points, no three-pointers, seven dimes. Absurdly freakish. Possibly the freakiest night ever for one of the freakiest dudes ever. In fact, he's been on one of the freakiest runs ever for one of the freakiest dudes ever because that 55-10-7 followed up back-to-back 40-20 and nights. However, last night was not perfect. It was not perfect for Giannis because he did blow a dunk in the fourth. And then after the game, he blamed the blown dunk on his wife running smack and then it got into his head.
0: I got uh, too excited. I got my, my significant other She's telling me uh, they don't post you on uh, what they what's it called? Uh, House of Highlight anymore because you don't uh, dunk the ball. You don't uh, get as high as uh, the young fellas. I said the year not the same. I've been here for a decade now. You know the legs are gone. You know I uh, don't have legs to get
1: that high. But uh, today I tried to uh, I tried to get high. But I had I had uh, I had a windmill, so I hope that satisfied her. I mean, can we take one minute? Can you find me a classier, cooler dude than Giannis? Can you find me a better dude than Giannis? A funnier dude than Giannis? I, I don't mean funny like he says these incredible one-liners that. Brings the whole house down. I just mean, it's so classy and so cool, man. And so smart. And that actually is very funny. She told him, his wife told him, that he doesn't get the highlight run that he used to because he can't jump with the young fellas. That is brutal. I guess that explains why this dude has been on a total and complete tear over the last week. You know, kind of like if your significant other says to you one day, hey, you know, you've chunked up a little bit. Looks like you've chunked up a little bit. I know a guy. I know a guy who was married to a younger gal, and I don't know, maybe he was late 30s at the time, mid-30s, and he had a lovely wife, really smart gal, And she said something to that effect. You know, you're chunking up a little bit. Getting a little chunky. Homeboy went into the gym and never came out. Like, my man was obsessed. Obsessed. Like, not like, you know, you're right. I get it. I'll kind of work on that. Or laugh it off and do nothing about it. Or hear it and put on 10 more despite your significant other. Like, whatever. Like, this dude took this too heart and became a lifestyle thing. I think maybe that's what happened right there with Giannis. Wife kind of gets in his head a little bit with like, hey, yo, you know, you can't get up and down like you used to. I don't know, man. My man has been on fire. You know what they always say. Behind every great man is a woman spitting Devastating smack. I'll say this. It's a very different tone from about a month back. Remember when Giannis laid out his big birthday plans?
0: I once I put my kids uh, to bed, you never know what can happen, you know? <laughs> might get a little bit freaky. You know? <laughs> it's my birthday.
1: Uh, but uh, we'll see, you know? It's my birthday. You never know what might happen once you put the kids to bed. Well, I think we know what might happen, my man. I know Alvi does. You know what happens when Alvi puts the kids to bed? He makes more kids. That's what happens. Hey Alvi, do you and Giannis, are you both like in a chat thread? Y'all have seen things and done things that nobody else has seen and done. <laughs> the Freaky Boys thread, Alvi and Giannis. You know who else is on that thread? We'll see. No, no one. Because there's never been anybody as prolific as Alvi and Giannis. In that order. Might get a little bit freaky. Hey, James in Portland. Would you like to add to that conversation? I know you would. Anyway, hearing that I may have to upgrade that, hearing that, I think I have to, right? From one of the freakiest dudes ever to the ultimate freak. Because clearly he is a freak, both on and off the floor. And on the floor right now, this dude is on one. He's on fire. But my point is, he's far from the only one. Everybody is. I mean, for obvious reasons, we did not get into it yesterday, but Donovan Mitchell pumped in. See what I did there? Pumped in 71 points. Yeah. Give me that sponsorship ding. Bang. Anyway, 71 points on Monday night. 71. And obviously for reasons that should be very clear to you. We did not get to it yesterday, but we're talking about a 71-point game. That's the most points in a game since Kobe had 81 in 06. So it's a huge deal because that is an absurd performance. <laughs> and I'll tell you how absurd that was. So absurd, that 71, that the association immediately hit him with a drug, drug, drug test. Drug test. test. Of course, a allegedly random drug test. It's just some dude at his door in a lab coat holding a Dixie cup about 71 minutes after he pumped in 71. But a supposedly random drug test.
4: Drug check.
1: In fact, they hit the entire Cavaliers team with drug, drug checks. Drug test. And that's not all the league did to crap all over Mitchell's parade. Because yesterday, they released a two-minute report that basically said the 71 points should have never even happened. Because the game should have never even gone to OT. Because Mitchell committed a lane violation on this amazing free throw putback, which sent the game into OT. 4.7 left. Off the back rim, loose ball. shot to win it. I have no idea how that slipped into the rim. Wow. Bulls TV. I'm surprised the league was not on the ground waiting for him before he hit the floor with a drug test. test. I mean it was an amazing play. It was clutch. It was heady as hell. And it was also illegal. And the league was right. How did he make that play? He left way too early. Not a huge mystery there. But also, the refs missed it in real time. So I'm not sure how putting out a worthless two-minute report helps anybody at this point. I mean, accountability, I guess. Yeah, I don't want to be a hypocrite. Like, when they never own anything, we're pissed. And then when they own this, I'm still pissed because we had such a great thing. All right, so maybe the putback should not have counted. Maybe the 13 that Donovan threw down or scored in overtime should not have counted. But they do. They did. The Cavaliers did win that game. And no drug check. Drug, drug test. Or a two-minute report is going to change any of that. Drug check. I mean, what's next? What's next? Are they going to send Joe Noah over there to remind them of how much Cleveland allegedly sucks it's and how many movie factories movie. there are.
5: It's bad. It's bad.
2: So you don't, you're don't. you not going out?
5: No. No going out in Cleveland, man. It's all factories.
1: Cleveland, I love you. I never do that to mock you. But that is an amazing line. That will never not be funny. So you're not going out? No, man, it's all factories. It's all factories. It's an incredible line. And to me, that's an incredible town. I love Sea town It's all factories. It's all factories. Wow, dude, you're being really harsh. Like, why would you not go out? Because it's all factories. It's all factories. <laughs> incredible. Hey, Joe. Hey, Joe, man, much respect. I, I really like you. I always have. But without those factories, how's crap getting made? Like, we need those factories, Joe. It's on factories. They make a lot of really useful things in those factories. It's on factories. No, you're not going to get bottle service in a factory. You can't get behind the velvet rope in a factory. It's on factories. Or maybe the league ought to let Kyrie take credit for the entire thing. Because Kaispiracy claimed that he knew that Mitchell was locked in. That's a quote. Locked in. Because of course he did. He's Kyrie. And how did Kyrie know? He's Kyrie. But apparently there was more. Kyrie knew because they were playing Call of Duty earlier in the day. Yes, that's Kyrie claiming that he knew that one of the all-time greatest scoring nights in the history of the association was going to transpire And how did he know? Because he played Call of Duty earlier in the day with that guy, so he knew he would go off. Now, rather than rush in and pile on Kyrie like I normally would, because he normally deserves it, I'm going to let the part-timer slide on that one. Because the part-timer has been a full-timer of late, and he and the Jock Vaughn-led Nets have been absolutely full-time, rolling fools. I mean, you want to talk about being on one. You want to talk about being on a heater. The East Coast Lakers have won 12 in a row. Out of nowhere. They're now second in the East, and they're beating everybody down. They're beating the hell out of people. James Kelly cannot wait for us to do Jim Rome's big head bets, which, by the way, focuses primarily on the NFL. He can't wait for us to track that tomorrow. So he could talk about the Nets. Do that, dude, and I will fire your ass. This guy, man, nobody likes I told you so, but especially, especially from the big head, James Kelly. I hate it more from that guy than anybody else. Hey, yo, bro, not only go kick rocks, go wash dogs. This guy is just all up in my. DMs, IMs, texts, emails, hey man, hey man, see the Nets, see the Nets, that's when he's not asking me, hey man, see soccer, see soccer, man, shut your mouth, dude, go watch dogs and kick rocks, get your ass to maz, yeah, I knew you didn't have that, Albie, I knew you wouldn't be ready for that so early in the year, oh, not bad, Albie. A- anyway, get to the Choppa. The Nets have won 12 in a row. The Mavs have run off seven in a row. Luca threw up a 60 burger last week. The Dubs got 54 from Clay on 10 trays Monday. They won five in a row, and that barely even registered a blip. Hell. The Purple and Gold Titanic has won 3 of 4. LeFib has played some amazing ball of late. So like I said, pretty much everyone is on a heater right now. The entire association is on one. The NBA has gone Oprah. And not even their dumb two-minute reports or drug checks. Drug, drug, drug test, drug, yeah. or spiracy or the liar can harsh the vibes right now. My only surprise is that LaFib didn't take credit for calling Donovan Mitchell 71. Ah! Braun would probably have us believe that. He was playing Call of Duty with Donovan also. And then take credit for calling Donovan that night and warning him about the drug test coming up the next morning. For real. In fact, LeBron just texted me. I was so locked in on my NBA roundup that I should expect a drug test right after the show because I just crushed that roundup. Let's see. Hey, Rome. Sorry I didn't put you in uh, Space Jam 2, the sequel, but listen, dude, they'll be knocking on your door. You're going to have to piss in a cup, because that was an amazing roundup you just did. Thanks, Braun. Appreciate you, dude. Ed Hughes, underscore Jeremiah, quote, Jim, I think it's safe to say that Philip Rivers made the group chat. He's the founder. Wrap it or snip it, Phil. Dude, why? Why? He doesn't need to wrap it or snip it. People who need to wrap it or snip it are ones who do not accept responsibility or accountability for the kids that they have brought into this world. Philip appears to be an amazing father. Who loves his children. He doesn't need to rap it or snip it. What we're talking about is the Freaky Boys group chat numbering two right now. Giannis, the Greek freak. And Alvin. Might get a little bit freaky. (laughs) Alvin, where'd you grow up, dude? Remind me. Holy crap, dude. You were born in Jersey? All right, so we've got the Greek freak and the Jersey freak or the Valley freak, whatever you prefer. Hey, no, no. Alvy was born in Jersey, grew up in the Valley. Where in the Valley, dude? I guess given that you've worked here 15 years, I should probably know that you and I are both 818 for life. All right, so Alvy Alvy grew up in Northridge. Dude, were you there for the earthquake? You were in college. All right. So I was not. I, I was out in the workforce and I lived in Woodland Hills at the time of the Northridge earthquake. So I was maybe eight miles away from the epicenter. Dude, that's you you want to talk about word association. If I say to you, Northridge, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Earthquake. Then Brent delay. But the earthquake, eight miles, Tommy. I've said this a million times. I'm an L.A. native. I was born in the 60s, hate to date myself, so I was here for the Silmar earthquake of 71, the Northridge earthquake. I was eight miles from that epicenter. I've never been afraid during an earthquake because I'm an L.A. native. We know. You know, when you're a little kid, hey, Chuck, have you ever felt, have you been in an earthquake? And how'd that go for you? Put put your headphones on real quick. I'm always curious to see people from the Midwest or the East Coast who have never experienced an earthquake before. Have you ever been in an earthquake? I have. uh, A couple while visiting Los Angeles. And actually, I've been in an earthquake while in Dodger Stadium before. Uh A couple years back, that happened, and it was terrifying. Yeah, Yeah, they're different outside than they are inside. But what was it like the first time you experienced an earthquake? Because unlike, and like I said, as a native, not only are we accustomed to them and we're brought up with them, even as little kids in elementary school in the 1970s, we would drill. Like like that's how prolific earthquakes are here. As little kids, we had earthquake drills frequently in school. So we know what to do it's truly strange it's it's not what you expect either it's not like a, a vibrating or like a consistent kind of well they're different shaking I guess they're, they're different. all different so, some roll some yeah. are more up and down A rolling waviness is what shocked me and it freaked me out because I wasn't expecting and I didn't know what to do like I guess you hide in the door frame and you're rolling back and forth while you're also shaking it's right strange there you go I was curious about that because for people who've never been in them before they're very different eight miles out you're in the the whole room shaking right I mean it's like you know I've I've told the story before I've never I have never been afraid during an earthquake except that one and I was scared to death man and the reason for that was and the, the other scary thing about earthquakes for whatever reason here on the west coast they always happen early in the morning when you're asleep so you can't prepare yourself for them that one happened early in the morning and what happened was I'll tell you why it was so scary I was still in bed and my bed was going up and down off the floor. And it felt like, and I'm on all fours holding on for dear life, man. And I feel like the bed was at least a foot off the ground. And it was up and down, up and down. And I'm like, holy crap. The other thing that we learn here in Los Angeles or Southern California, whenever there's an earthquake, the first thing that goes through my mind always is, is this the one? Because we know that's coming. We, it's, it, It's kind of a morbid thing to say, but... It's, listen, we have 75 degree weather, 325 days out of the year, the bill is coming due. I think we all know this. So whenever there's an earthquake and we don't actually slide into the ocean, we're all forever grateful. I thought that was the one. And because the other thing is, you don't, when it first happens, there was no Twitter then. You don't know where the epicenter is. I didn't know that I was eight miles away. Like, my thought was, oh my God. I hope I'm right on top of the epicenter. If not, there are some horrific things happening right now. And that one just felt like it went on for nine hours. So yeah, I was afraid of that one. And when I came out of my room and the refrigerator was halfway across the room, halfway across the apartment, I knew we had a problem. Oh yeah, the aftershocks definitely came. You know By the way, there was no, you have to understand too, there was no power for a week. There was no, I was going, I, we couldn't get any hot water. We couldn't get any power. I was going to the market and buying bottles of water to shower with. You couldn't get a hotel room. You couldn't. It was crazy. Why are we talking about earthquakes? I don't know. But there is that. Alvy, Albie, because Alvy's from Northridge. I had, talk about a tangent. I got so far down the road on that one. Alvy was the one who did that. Alvy's from Northridge. So that that's that. Alvy is still part of the club. Good night.